0: recording inside the cohab podcast studio space under the texas street bridge by the red river in downtown shreveport louisiana and this is the 3180 podcast what is going on in the 318 what is our current identity shreveporters can make this place into the city we want it to be it's time for shreveport to make a 180 every thursday we are having conversations about doing just that we're talking to people who are making the difference in our city i'm josh clayton I'm Thomas Young. Welcome to the 3180 Podcast. If you tuned into Episode 8, you'll remember Part 1 of the Demetrius Norman Conversation. It went long, so we chopped it up into two parts. And now, again, I welcome Demetrius Norman to Part 2 of the Conversation here for Episode 10.
1: Everybody's doing that. Now, I have a friend who, uh, he runs a a company here, and uh, they're a manufacturing company, and he said they're always having problems finding... The guys that, you know, will run, you know, their CAD machines, you know, things that they need built in CAD for projects, they're they're having a lot of trouble finding those people and training those people and keeping them here. At the same time, he has a kid who is, I think he's about 12 now, and he's like, he's on YouTube, he knows, he can go on YouTube and like, he'll sit there all day and he'll come out and he'll say, oh, I learned this and this and this, and he knows all this You know i mean i'm sure he's goofing off too but but there's a part of that that is educational and if if you could if you could build something locally that maybe that's the thing maybe maybe our city becomes the place where where we we develop educational programs you know like god knows we 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 need it we we need it we we need it we could export that
2: we we partner with some of our educators in our, our local schools for that reason um I saw makerspaces role as teaching the teacher, mm-hmm. and so because I I cut it I cut it off as eighteen and up for one thing because we're in a STEM alliance and most of our partners already provide K through twelve STEM. I don't believe in duplication. I believe that we're better together. So you know, can I jump out and go teach like a kids robotics class or coding or electronics? Of course, but if I already got people to do that, and Demetrius can't be everywhere at the same time. I'm, I've been getting beat up. Yeah. <laughs> for that the past couple of years it's like yeah. you know I went from you know kind of being off the radar to we need Demetrius everywhere like right now why is he not here screw him yeah, yeah. and so I started really, um, I'm real big on self empowerment because hey you know what I can't be everywhere but this guy needs opportunity why don't I tag him in and he gonna be great and build his platformer? why don't I tag her in and she gonna be great and people recognize her awesomeness and it's still me doing it because it's my it's my relationship? Yeah, you're not on some ego.
0: You're on some ego trip where you always have to be the center of attention at these things. You'd rather see other people rise up. Yeah. for the stuff you created. And I'm
2: actually a bit of an yeah. introvert. I, I really don't care that much for attention. It's not that I don't like people. It's just you know I, I do my best work alone in a cave, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> type of deal. And so for me to be out in the spotlight is very weird. It's like, hey, Demetrius, I'm like, who are you? Like, yeah. oh my god, who are all these people. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, what what's being made at the makerspace right now?
2: oh man I mean well the makerspace itself is being made like the Job Corps students came and partnered with us and um, did a lot of the spackling and um, remodeling of the the actual walls yeah yeah yeah. I mean they did a real professional job you come in and you're like man who'd you pay to do this the Job Corps students they rock so their paint trade their trades at Job Corps are so legit yeah So if anybody tell you they learn construction or like painting anything like that or business technology I mean Job Corps is legit I mean that's part of my motivation to want to do the same thing kind of from a STEM-oriented focus. And that's actually one of my current partners that you know, we've kind of teamed up and said we want to do X, Y, Z. So, I mean, we've done 3D printing and IT and stuff with the kids, talked to them about some of the same stuff we're talking about today. And we kind of got some of those Job course students inspired to kind of go my path even beyond the disciplines that are provided there now. Uh, Because they got a great training model. My only thing with a lot of the workforce programs I've been partnering with is that none of them actually do STEM. Yeah, Or in the modernized skills. So they got all the classic skills down to a science, and they do it incredibly. And I think by marrying the two together, the modern and the classic, I think that's how you get a 21st century uh, Shreveport professional. You, you got to add that tech savvy to stuff that I think we already do good. It's just that we're real good blacksmiths. You know, we can shoe horses. We got all them. Everybody has a car now. So... My black stuff needs to learn how to work on cars, right? And so we're at that next iteration where, okay, my guy that knows how to work on cars, now you got to understand connected cars. The car has Wi Fi, deal with that. Yeah. That's your life now, (laughs) right? So you just got to, it's the same stuff you had to know before, but you have to, modernization, you have to adapt to evolution. The world is evolving, we got global warming. Like we live in a different time. People are, our, our elections are online now. Right, like you cannot afford uh, to be that person that says I'm not into technology. That's just somebody's hobby. Like no, our presidential election was online. Yeah. Right. And so um, our our local city council. I mean, stuff that we never never had anything to do with technology is now susceptible to you know social media hits. Who's gonna be our next mayor? That's gonna be decided by social media and Twitter and Facebook and you you know what I mean. This, yeah.
1: whole, and, this whole town, I notice. I mean, it, it really runs on Facebook. And I mean, I think a lot of them do, but I think when you're sort of in a smaller town and it, and it may have a little trouble keeping up with the technology, you, you get into, uh, you know, a Facebook hole and and you're going to see the same things you're going to see and they're going to be different from the things that I'm going to see and then your perception becomes skewed as to, you know, and...
2: Some of that is for people that are paying for uh, ads that we don't know are ads. We think they're natural posts, because you can do that. And a lot of times we're seeing stuff showing up on our timeline, not because of popularity from organic people, but because of uh, an algorithm with how the the website and how the coding works. And because we don't know that, we just start assuming, well, this is very popular, everybody else must think this. Just like a TV commercial, right? Just like a radio ad, It's, it's playing over and over I don't like this. Now I like this because I heard it a million times, right? And so, you know, social media and the internet, we had the capability to do that visually uh, with audio, with, you know, uh, with written stuff. I mean, you're seeing the same ad plastered in your face. The people that control the website you're logged into are slapping this candidate in your face. I see this candidate more than I see this other candidate. I'm voting for this guy. I don't know what any of the policies are. I don't know what it means. It's just... It's a little bit of a uh, peer pressure thing. I think everybody else likes this guy, so I like this guy.
0: Yeah, social media has just inherent problems, and I mean, I think, <laughs> I think but, humans are so flawed, and social media has tapped into this human problem that we didn't even know we had. Just like cell phones did, now we're addicted to screens and we're addicted to what other people are. I mean, we always have been. But it's
2: that's good like, and bad, right? The, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's good and it. bad because but you can use we it had for those good as well. Yeah. We had those problems. We just didn't see it. That's right. On a post with like a thousand people looking yeah, at it. Yeah, We we had that problem, and then we could kind of tune it off. It's not in the paper anymore. The media finally let me alone. You know, stuff you do now can live on for people can be looking at a video of you saying something stupid at a town hall you, meeting ten years ago, well, and you can be
0: at the water cooler all day. Right. Like you can, you know, you can be in a sewing circle all day. You can go down a rabbit hole of just. Local gossip or political gossip or whatever, and then it—it's a it, everything becomes a kind of a self-fulfilling kind of rabbit hole of echo chamber dynamic. I—I I, I don't know. I'm—I so try to stay away from it, but it's—it's it's so beneficial as a tool for business. So
2: and it's through, one of those things like a gun, right? Like when we argue about gun rights, yeah. There's a gun. good and a bad way to use a gun. Yeah. Every I think Hunting, every tool. Okay.
0: Every tool is like that.
2: Yeah, but you—you you really need to be taught how to use a gun. Oh yeah. Uh, see I'm a gun control person I don't believe in get rid of all the guns I don't believe everybody should have a gun I I don't I'm not on either side of the spectrum Um, I think we should have common sense gun control laws where I think you should be required to train because if I want to drive a forklift I have to have a credential that says I know what I'm doing if I want to drive heavy machinery if I want to drive my car I have to take a test and prove that I have adequate vision that I am capable of driving the car I know to have a gun I have to be 18 or older That's it Right And so same thing With social media Right There's no There's no There's no program There's no entity That says Let me show you How to use the internet Right In parts of the area Like In parts of the country Like California That's a school That's a part of the school Curriculum Digital literacy They teach the kids You know To be a Sane And productive citizen This is how you do Use the internet This is how you don't Use the internet Your boss might be On the internet Right, your principal might be on the internet. Your pastor, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. You need that type of basic learning for all of our community, so that they know when something is debunked, when they know when something is like false information and is not credible. Uh, just like how we used to learn, you know, to do research with books, right? Assess the credibility of the author. There's none of that going on right now. People will, people will pull up stuff off any random website. Um, you know, they'll, they'll quote these random statistics with no vetting. Well, they, right? read, it, they read it on Facebook. <laughs> they, why, there's really no vetting required. And you. somebody I look up to and respect shared it. Oh, yeah. An elected official shared it. A congressman shared it. Uh-huh. This guy's a congressman. He must be right. Let's let's take this back to the 3-180. Right.
0: Let's, let's get back here. And you and I have talked about this on the phone. And right before we hit record, we started talking about an issue that you're passionate about. Yeah. On a small level... You're, you're from a neighborhood that's now considered one of Shreveport's low income neighborhoods, right? Right. You live there now? You, uh, I do. You grew up there? I grew up there. What does Shreveport need to do to address um, the jobs problem, the poverty problem? This problem has existed ever since I've lived in Shreveport. You know, when I moved here in 1987, it's not like Shreveport was a. It wasn't yeah. booming then. Yeah, I mean, and we've had maybe one good oil and gas boom since then in the in the mid two thousands. But from your perspective, which is a different perspective than we've had on the show so far, yeah, what do we need to do as a town?
2: Well, I mean, we can talk about the bond issue if you want. But. I mean, I I want to go because see a lot of times we skip over the parts of history that are relevant. Yeah. How was Louisiana's economy built? Yeah. <laughs> How did we get to be a Louisiana to begin with? Yeah did everybody really pull themselves up by their bootstraps? In reality. No. Did, did we really earn, did we really come together equally and collectively with all the people that live in Louisiana and build this and we all benefit from it? No. That happened at no point in history. And that inequality, a lot of people are seeing across the country now, um, and that was part of the reason for the Civil War, right? Like, you have a whole group of people that are working and not being compensated we got immigrants up on the East Coast that want to do those same work, those same skills. that want to do that same type of work. Well, you got guys that you're not paying. I got a construction company. I'm paying all American citizens. You got a construction company, and I don't know, and we don't know that you got illegally immigrants. Uh, another touchy subject. But let's let's talk about why people argue about the immigrant thing, right? You got some guys from Mexico that are not citizens, and because they're don't have paperwork and they're off the radar. You're paying them a wage that I couldn't legally pay an American citizen, right? So you have an unfair advantage over my business and this capitalism that we all romance so much is not it's never really been happening because I can always go hire prison labor. A prisoner is not a citizen. I don't they're not subject to labor laws. I can work them harder. I can work them longer. I can get them at a cheaper rate. That's not legit business. And that's what actually breaks our economy is that, we've always co-signed these mechanisms where we're getting resources and materials from a country that we're exploiting. We're getting work out of people that we are legally able to exploit because they're not considered citizens. That is exactly how slavery that built Louisiana worked. Mm -hmm. Right? And so you fast forward um, in industrialization, um, the people that had the money to take over those industries were those same families. Right? And so we talk about big oil. I hate to step on toes but I mean that's an industry that struggled with diversity anybody that works in the oil field knows it yeah uh, that they've always struggled with diversity and so a lot of the lobbying for some of these uh, policies that have pushed um, inequality over years have come from people in that area um I mean our first um our first store bought politicians right the um, the corporate politics the big boss towns right? Your robber barons told your politicians what to do, not the other way around. Uh, You had a guy, Teddy Roosevelt, came along and he's like, we got to put these corporations in their place. They're too big, they're running monopolies. We can't really have this free enterprise economy like we're talking about where everybody has, you know, the freedom and the right to build something if we don't have antitrust laws. So we get antitrust laws, right? Uh, The antitrust laws were in response to companies like Standard Oil. Louisiana is a standard oil state. That's, that's, the, that's why whenever you hear our leadership in our state and in our city talking, they talk almost worshiply about the oil and gas economy. It's almost like we never made money doing anything else or we can't make money doing anything else. So when oil and gas goes bust, like you say, we had one good push in the 2000s. Back in, uh, what was it, like the 70s when we had standard oil before they left the area, before they left Shreveport, That's probably the biggest our population has ever been, like maybe close to about 300,000 people. That was before we annexed all these other areas to try to artificially push our population back up to to even sustain close to 200,000. But that was one period of time when that oil company closed up and left Shreveport, right? Um, A lot of businesses started closing after that. That was that first recession we had in Shreveport.
0: And and the short-sighted vision is that when they leave, we collapse, but they can be our savior again, and 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 we've looked yeah. at that. And like if the we just begged them to come back, and the, and the give manufacturing, them tax credits. That you and Thomas were talking about before we started recording, like oh, all we need to do is just get more manufacturing back here, like, right? Because we had this, GM,
2: right? And GM was wonderful, and GM come back to us, be good to us, but but GM left because they wanted to leave. GM left for their own personal benefit because of a
0: free market economy that said, well, we're not really making money here anymore. This doesn't make any sense anymore, and now we're gone. And Shreveports. You know, okay, like you know, big yeah. deal, like let's move on. Right. So right, what right. what's next? Like where do we go from here? I mean right. uh, I mean
2: I, agriculture has always been real strong in Louisiana. That's that's always been strong. I mean, America was built on agriculture. Before we got into any of the industrial stuff, you know, um, I mean, the significance of the Louisiana Purchase, you know, the that middle area of America, there was a time when we a lot of the food the world's food resources came from this middle section of America. Yeah. Right. F- food because and textiles,
1: cotton, indigo. Yeah. Uh, food like that's that's what. I mean, Louisiana's
2: got the food. I mean, who doesn't know that? You yeah. Know? Like you know, we're the only state where you can go to other places and people ask you where you're from and they get hungry. Yeah, yeah. That's, right. that's right. Right, right. 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 You, man. You got you brought food. That is, I mean, we have a rich culture. Um, I mean, you talking about music, Lead Belly? Come on, man, Lead Belly. How do you get the Beatles without Lead Belly? Perform right here in downtown Shreveport, right over in the bottoms, got from Morrisport. I mean, why don't we have a museum for Leb Belly actually attracting tourism out there? He is a museum in in the United in the United Kingdom. But why not here? We sell ourselves short on a lot of the talents and the great things we have. The people that made the Doom video game. I didn't even know they were from here growing up. We played Doom religiously. Dude, that was like one of the what? Doom on Nintendo 64? Like those guys are from here. I mean, we've had so many talented people come from this area in different genres. I mean, and you have, um, I think you had a lot of potential for industry growth here that we just don't capitalize on because it didn't benefit a small group of people. Yeah, And benefiting a small group of people is something that's kind of self-defeating that's hurt our areas and most of the United States. You're talking about we're in a country where um, over half the nation's wealth is held by much smaller than 10% of the population. And we control most of the world's wealth. So that, so that's scary. You don't really have a free enterprise system. Money is not circulating. If only a fraction of your population is actually have, making money. You got 80% of people in America living check to check right now. Louisiana is one of the worst places for that. We have some of the biggest gaps. And so you're talking about growing an industry, how do you bring somebody from Silicon Valley and say, live in Louisiana and go to segregated schools and go to segregated restaurants, right? And um, and don't speak about social issues that other places talk about openly and work through these things. It's uh, It makes certain people upset. So just act like it's not happening, right? You know, act like women are not being harassed at their jobs in Shreveport, you know what I mean? And have to deal with that because we don't wanna have the conversation because of our respectability politics. It, it's not even an emotional conversation anymore. You literally have professionals. I've seen a lady that I worked with years ago actually break down crying, an engineer, uh, Middle Eastern woman. She's married to an engineer that worked at uh, another very well-known place that I won't mention for, you know, out of respect. Um, but I mean, they didn't know who her husband was. Um, they, they, they They laughed at her accomplishments. You know, all I could see was this was a woman of color in the office, she had more credentials than any other engineer in the office, right? But because of how we do, and you know, employers asked us about having thick skin, right? And just accept people making these, having these inappropriate conversations at work. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, having disproportionate workloads. I mean, stuff that you think we would've moved past like decades ago. We're still dealing with that with business owners and employers, and because we won't check it, because we want to save this handful of groups that we think we need so desperately bad, we're scaring off all the other businesses that are actually making money now. Like, we're catering to companies that don't even really produce money. The city of Shreveport, revenue, you are all arguing about the taxes, the bond. Yeah, let's get Our, to
0: that. You were on the transition team for the mayor. Yeah. And you've been on which committee?
2: Um, uh transition team, uh, I was on the technology and smart cities committee. okay uh, recently I served on the bond committee for uh, sewage and drainage but also advocated for special projects for okay. the smart city uh, broadband. Package. okay
0: So t- tell me about that and tell me how you think that can benefit our town.
2: So does I, I got questions about it now because some of it was inappropriately removed by our city councilman um, and with very little no discussion. Um, But the Smart City package that our CTO put together um, actually called out all of these gaps. And these same inequality gaps that we're talking about, they parallel what's called the digital divide, something that we're going to address with digital literacy, right? Because not only is there a gap with knowledge and skills in some of these underserved communities and rural areas and among our senior citizens, um, but they also have less access to high-speed internet. Okay. Right, the same high-speed Internet that we're saying our elections is being decided on, all the information to get through school, all that cool stuff, um, they don't have access to that in a lot of these communities. And so the $7 million bond proposal had the potential to to kick off this change that would have revolutionized Shreveport. I mean, you had Internet companies that were ready. Like, yeah, we want to lease the lines from the city. Uh, Some people shot it down saying we don't need to get into – a community broadband project like Lafayette, because you see what happened to them. Well, what happened to them? Lafayette did their own ISP. They they invested, I think, maybe between 200 and 300 million dollars. Still not as much as we're talking about spending on the interstate or these building projects. Not that I'm against them, but uh, I'm like, we can spend a billion dollars on Cross Bayou, which I've shared information about Cross Bayou, invited a group, loved the idea. But we're talking about a billion dollar investment, right? With some volatility right and they're still you know we got to try something to grow the economy but it's a billion dollar investment the the i-49 stretch right um there's a hundred million dollars at the state earmark, but we're talking about billion dollars to do that project a lot more money some people arguing no, oh the mutual is only eight hundred million billion a billion dollars right yeah so i mean you have cities like and Laf- and, and, and yeah Keith answered more than seven million or, or they, he wanted to seven million. Yeah, yeah, yeah so we're talking about we're talking about the pinky toe we, He asked for a piece of breadcrumb, a piece of a breadcrumb, right and a thimble of water and it was like, waste the taxpayers money. No. And I'm like, so you're saying we need to build a billion dollar interstate to, grow, to potentially grow our economy. Seven million dollar in internet. let me tell well, you what we get.
0: Well I20 I and I 49 have done a great job in building our economy. <laughs> I want. I don't it, want to take.
2: It, it, yeah. I try to stay neutral on most stuff. Yeah, yeah. But where I get ticked off is when the narratives don't match up. Yeah. Because if you're saying we need to dump all this money into these construction projects. Yeah. Even like with our public safety buildings, I want the police to have a new police station. I want to. I want to have a state of art training center. Um. But they're not the only part of the public safety building Yeah. Majority of the bond is public safety buildings. Yeah. And all of it has nothing to do with public safety. Yeah. Just to be real with you. And and everything in the bond package is needed. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying these things are not needed.
0: And they, and they had to parse out what what could they But I am saying fund, we still have right? to pay
2: for the buildings once we build them. Yeah. And with what tax money. So we're double talking ourselves. Because the buildings will not generate any money to pay for themselves. Right. We still have to find that money from somewhere. If we wanted to pay the police more and put more into law enforcement, the mayor already proposed to do that with the Clean City User Fee. We said, no, we don't want that additional fee. Why are you charging us more money? This is a crappy town. We don't want to pay more money. Okay, but you want to do it out of a bond package where we're borrowing money, right, which that's going to have interest on it that we're going to have to pay back. Now, I saw some of the genius business leaders around town get up in arms and, oh, you know, we don't need that economic development crap. I'm like, but you guys are having meetings every week and every month telling us about economic growth in Shreveport and what we need to do for the economy, but we have an actual $7 million line item that does the original ask for 20 and what to build what, out all Street Shreveport. Okay.
0: And, and so that $7 million would have accomplished what in your mind?
2: That $7 million would have laid the infrastructure that accounts for, um, on average, about 80% of the overhead costs of laying broadband fiber in the city of Shreveport. Okay. Right? And so what it does is we do the digging, we do the trenching, we lay the conduit. Okay. We do everything except... Um, Put the fiber all over town. We lease the lines um, to the internet service providers. So now they already have pre built inf- infrastructure that they lease from us. Okay. So that's a revenue generator. Yeah, it generates revenue. So yeah. we're making some money instead of taxing them so much, yeah. we're making money off a legit deal with them. We've taken this 80% of your overhead costs off your back. Give us a little money to operate and put into the city growth, right? And you can use our lines. You're still not spending as much money as you would have if you had to build all this yourself. So you're going to get a quicker ROI yeah. everywhere that you put your fiber and everywhere that you provide your service. On the other end, it's a multi-tiered approach. I've said that I love multi-tiered approaches. He's going to provide the city. For the city, we will provide our own Internet. So it's almost a hybrid. It's like a cross between a community broadband project, but it's not the part that Internet companies hate. us when you cut them completely out. The the people responded to Chattanooga that has the fastest internet in the world, and it's benefiting the city. There are 188,000 people, same size as Shreveport. But the the criticism is that you're killing industry because the city started its own internet uh, service and it cut, you know, Comcast and other companies out, right? Which I could kind of see that this is kind of a win and loss at the same time. Uh, I think it's definitely worth it, but to not create an enemy out of our private companies and who in all fairness companies like AT&T, they provide a lot of jobs. Oh, yeah. And they've already invested a lot of their own money in land fiber. at and probably invested the most that I know about any internet provider in actually building out fiber. I mean, they brought fiber to parts of Queensborough. They brought fiber to parts of MLK, places that other ISPs wouldn't go, right? And so I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, man, that's a perfect marriage. Because the only hesitance they have is that they're an actual for-profit business and they have to do what makes sense as a business, we can't just throw fiber everywhere, spit all this money in construction, and then we never make it back. We go bankrupt, well, right? And so and the city, you know, coming together, we see successful cities that have built their own entire internet service. And then we see companies that have the capacity, uh, much greater capacity to run the service and sustain it. Instead of them fighting over, should the city do it all? Should the internet service providers have it all? We democratize it, In a true way, bring them together—a P3, public-private partnership, Mm
1: -hmm. right? But but at the same time, you've seen the city's website, right? Yes. It's it's not well maintained. The information is not good. There's not a person. So there's again, there's a, a gap between even understanding that technology and then where you're talking about the technology, to like. The the fill in, right? Yeah, our
2: CTO is buried in it. Because so, we're so we're like twenty, thirty years behind. Right. There's stuff they're running down there from the nineties. Yeah. As far as equipment but but we is, don't
1: is there anyone here to like a lot of what we try to do is is take that negative and figure out how to spin it into something positive. So it's like can we take people that are here, teach them to maintain those programs at the same time looking at a way to Get exactly what you're talking about to happen.
2: Yes, like There's, maybe there, we there can is, get it There are hard ways to do that, and so like, uh, you know, me and Keith, we're like nine, we're, we're we're like two peas in the same pod. So what I'm doing from a social impact level with community organizations, we want to go out and train the community, train the constituents. Keith is doing inside the city of Shreveport administration, and actually teaching the council people, actually teaching the city administration. A lot of his job is teaching in addition to all the number crunching and specking he's having to do um, and and actual hard work. This this dude doesn't sleep. I mean, he's actually having to retrain our city leadership. I'm talking about from the ground up. I'm like people that know nothing about technology and, you know, and get beat up, get the scars and just to try to drag them along. Right. I think somebody made the, the comment there, CTOs. Is dragging our city into the future, kicking and screaming. That's right. I, I definitely agree. I mean, he's having this conversation we're having every day. Well, all right. So why didn't uh, the seven million that he requested get approved? What um, was that? What was the
0: opposition? What was the point that? They well, made?
2: one of the council members, Flurry, doesn't like him. Okay. And and it <laughs> it has nothing to do with growing the city of Shreveport. And how you doing, Miss Flurry? If you hear this, um, you know I've talked to. You know, a couple of councilmen, Bowman and uh, Bradford, they come to our neighborhood meetings all the time. I, I talked to them about it, time blue in the face. But, you know, they, they're they so caught up in this this respectability politics, wanting to be liked, you know, like wanting to dap up the other council people. And I'm just like, you know, uh, I think Willie says he's going to step down. He announced it at the council meeting, uh, uh, the last council meeting. But I'm just like, you know... I, I don't. I don't want to just knock these people or create any enemies. But as an adult and as a leader in the community, I think at some point we have to balance between being, you know, being cool with our friends and being responsible for the city of Shreveport. And what I don't reason? That,
0: what was their public reason though? I, I haven't even kept up with it. it.
2: It was all emotional. It was all relationships. It had. It had. I've asked them for their logic. The, the CTO defended his logic. He's got all PowerPoint presentation. It was on Channel Twelve News like I mean he laid it out as clear as he came to our bond committee meetings this this is how I'm gonna do the p3 the internet and we're gonna do this he, he brought an industry expert didn't even work for the city yeah this is what we see as an ISP this is what we're gonna look to do I mean he had he had more details and facts than any other department hit
1: so does that open it up for a private industry to do that
2: it opens up for private industry to do so it, a private and it industry, takes overhead costs away from private.
1: But 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 private industry to do, a, let's say a ten million dollar project, somebody scratch a check for that in the next fifteen minutes,
2: right? Yeah.
0: So I mean, but, that could be done quickly. So, but they they've made the determination that it's not, it, it doesn't affect their bottom line in a positive way to do it. It, it was at the.
2: I mean they didn't even defend their logic. They no, were no, saying no, no, no. it was I'm, crazy. Saying, no, no,
0: no. I'm saying from a private uh, oh. from an AT&T Comcast perspective they've determined that running fiber to low income neighborhoods is is not going to positively affect See, the that's See
2: entire you could do an entire show on that. As a matter of fact, uh the show The Patriot Act on Netflix, they did they dedicated the entire show to that. Okay. There's there's a lot of moving pieces to democratizing the internet. Right. That's been a fight. That's been going on for a long time. But, that, but we could have facilitated that
1: Via, we could have facilitated
2: via. that in a way that brings everybody to the table, guns on the table, you know, people that normally would be on adversaries in these conversations. We, we would have the dog line with the cat. Yep. So in addition to solving this immediate need of wanting to bring Internet to these low-income communities, we would also be cultivating a partnership between the private companies and the city and making them bigger stakeholders in what we're trying to do in terms of growth which, like I say, some of them already are, but like I've been critical of in the past is we do so much for companies and industries that produce nothing in Louisiana. Tax credit-wise, looking the other way when people are dumping crap in the water. The companies that are actually investing in Shreveport, we don't give them anything. We chart, we we price those guys out, off of relationships. It's not... It's not smart business. I don't see us making smart business moves economy-wise where we're looking at performance. Who invests the most in our schools and our organizations? Who is actually doing the work? Who is actually providing the most jobs in Shreveport as far as companies? A lot of times you got companies that are doing great work, providing jobs. like They're not getting any break when they're getting hit with tariffs and poll freeze and taxes and all that. And then you got other companies that haven't hired anybody in 20, 30 years. And, and are barely paying taxes. Most of the city of Shreveport's tax revenue comes off sales taxes. And we're closing retail stores every week.
1: But it's still a pretty big number. That 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 number, if you were to look at those numbers, they're, they're, when I looked at them, they were much... I was like, I don't even know where these stores are. And they're, they're casinos and, yeah. and retail. They got... That there's money turning over right there, and and so,
2: I mean, but the thing is, when you put all your eggs in one basket and you're only dependent on sales revenue, and then, like I say, sales revenue right now in the retail space, retail is very much internet centric right now. And, so I and mean,
0: that's not going to reverse either.
2: That's not going to reverse. Yeah. I mean, all the social media stuff we're talking about. Find me a retail. Find me a person making money in retail without social media. Find me a person making money in retail without all their POS running off a broadband network. Like find me that. Find find me a successful business in a place that has crap uh, internet access.
1: You can't. You can't. It's it's like if your business, you know, if you if you have Comcast or, or whatever, you have an internet provider, and yeah. your internet is not working, you're gonna call them and you're gonna say, my business is running on this technology that I'm paying you for, come and fix it. That's, that's absolutely, like, people, you've been in an office, people lose their, like, the internet is not working, people are losing their minds. Well, you can't
0: get anything done without it. I've got VOIP phones in my office. I can't, there's no phone unless you use a cell phone, but the incoming callers are calling your landline, which is a VOIP, so when the internet's down... We're out of business. I mean, everything we did, my client management software is online. Anything that I need to do at the
1: courthouse, online, but, like dockets, but, on the courthouse. But that's what, yeah. so that's what, that's sort of what I was talking about before. $70. Where, where, where yeah. we, we, as people who are in business, yeah. then you look at, I mean, you're an attorney. If you file anything, you don't practice in Texas, but if you practice in Texas, well, federal court here in Louisiana, you, right, everything's online. Everything gets filed online. Otherwise, like I've been to the courthouse where the person at the records department said, I, "We can't do anything until after Thanksgiving," and this was like three weeks before. And I was like, "So you're just literally just sitting here? Like, yeah, they're in the back, you know, going through everything, so we can't take in or send any, you know, any records out." And it's like, "Are you kidding me? Like, you're the lady was literally sitting there." on Facebook on her phone talk, <laughs> talking to somebody on her phone and it was like wait a minute wh- wh- what what well, yeah. how how does that how does that correlate and, and this, this is this was in treeport this was in treeport yeah. right and and I'm not that doesn't you know yeah. we we're, I remember we're,
2: people not being able to take credit cards payments like their businesses in treeport a few years ago yeah, like, like it's, it's
1: getting better. I don't want to make it seem no, like it's, no, no, I, it's I, I getting know, but, better, but it's, it could but be. But if we're talking about
2: growing the economy, like these are problems you're not supposed to have in 2019, right? Correct. If we had these problems in like 2002, I get it, a lot of people did. But in 2019, having that problem tells people that you're not serious about doing business in your city. That's a fact. You want things to be the way that they've been, you're a retirement city. You just want to have banquets and honor people that have already made money. Okay, all right, that's it. <laughs>
1: but but even that's all you want to do. But <laughs> even if you are that, then how come aren't we getting any people in? You're just keeping people here who are already here, right? Like,
2: but but that's what you do when you're scared of money. When you when you come for money, you don't know how money is actually made. You've never actually built anything on your own. You are frightened by competition. Mm-hmm. I do believe we have a we have a percentage of our. Our professional world here in Shreveport that actually is scared of competition and would rather have participation trophies than have the new kids on the block show up and eat your lunch. Yeah, and then you actually got to be that good, like we're saying at all your banquets and your parties, right? We would rather have people that we have people that would rather be the only show in town.
1: The only the only people that you know, everybody getting a trophy is only good for the trophy guy.
2: So right. give it a trumpy But I mean, if we're talking about like, because I, I challenge people on capitalism all the time. I think it's just a theory. It's like a religious belief to me. But if capitalism is real, we have to make it real. Uh, Theodore came with the antitrust acts because he wanted to make capitalism real. It's like if we're gonna talk all this talk, how am I gonna have how am I gonna have a free market and say I'm letting the free market work if only one company can legally provide this service? And they threw some cash to the legislator that passed a law that said they were the only one that can provide it. But that's like with medical marijuana,
1: right? But but the, the real capitalism is is not greed. It is making jobs for everyone. It's it's the it's you know all you know rising tide all all boats. Which we, we you know it's kind of the same thing. We kind of yeah. talk about the same thing a lot in here. But it's if if you have more money than you ever ever could know what to do with. Stop it. Like take that take a hundred thousand dollars and give it to you. You have ideas. Like if you don't have any ideas, fine. You'll you'd be happy to put your hey guy X that wants to give me a hundred grand, I'll put your name all over this thing and say you did it, but we'll actually do it and that's what it's supposed to be. Or that's even how, if
2: you don't <laughs> even if you don't give me a hundred grand, um don't how can I put this? don't try to come up ways to artificially block my brand and my business from eating your lunch. Don't go meet with people behind closed doors and say, don't work with Demetrius. Don't work with Makerspace. Like you could do that. And and that that is just as good <laughs> as giving me 100K But because when you block people, like we're a town that's known for a long time ago, we used to blackball people that would speak out in the community, engineers, doctors, lawyers, like we didn't care how smart you were how productive you were, if you didn't play ball with us, people would run you out. And so now we're in an economy, like when you talk about a technology economy, you have to understand why people are scared of a technical revolution. Because you have companies that are like um, 30% women in the workforce, in the IT uh, world. You have 40% of the IT workforce nationally, uh, this Board of Labor Statistics, over 40% of the workforce non-degreed individuals. I'm talking about you have people with no degree, six figure making bank, right? And not you don't need
1: a degree to do that.
2: You don't need a degree. It's good to have a degree, but But, it's not an either or. No, it's it's not a deal breaker if you don't have. It's
1: blue collar work, so you know, quote unquote. It's 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 like you you learn to do it, and then
2: it's a cohesive. uh, The tech world is more of a, you know, kind of we are the world. Like it already has that diversity that we talk about in other industries, like how. Industries are struggling To work towards diversity Less than 5% of engineers Are black or female You know what I mean Like uh, But engineering where Right Are we talking about Engineering uh, At a computer company or are we talking about Engineering in an oil and gas Company Or you know A company that uh, Or a manufacturing plant Right um, Where are we having These diversity problems We're having these Diversity problems In older outfits That do not want to change Do not want to Adapt to the change In a way that the world is going with globalization. Um, the world is asking for more diversity and, and and more reflections of the community. They're not even asking, they're demanding that. So you got big, huge, multi-million dollar companies that w- all they know is diversity. That's how they built their company, right? You got you got 30-year-old billionaires now in the economy that we're living in, and they don't even understand the whole way. And they got enough money where they don't have to understand the whole way. So now we're kind of in a pissing match between... You have your new money that's like, what do you mean? We have a woman run the company. You got a problem with it? Screw you, we don't need you. And you have old money that really can't handle that because old money used to be the only money, right? And and old money used to be the only money because artificially they would pay politicians off so that we wouldn't have competition, right? And they would come up with all kinds of laws and obstructions, you know, company B, right, is having inspectors and people pop up more than company A that type of Cold War uh, stuff that we had business... It had nothing to do with what their companies produce. They would just sit around and try to figure out ways to sue each other. It's
1: about winning the game.
2: Yeah, and and winning through unethical means. Um, That's something that we literally got to police and seal up. So like how we talk about hammering down on crime in our community, we really got to... We got to hammer down on that that higher-level crime, right, where we have people with unethical business practices, people violating labor laws, uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. We really have to start policing the entire community, not just poor people, right? But the, the big money people that we're scared of. Uh, we have to start saying that, you know, we're going to make our city a safe place for 21st century businesses that actually do business right, that actually compensate people fairly um, that are actually obeying labor laws, right? That are not trying to skirt and find ways around labor laws and environmental laws. There are companies out there like that now, and, and it's not like a do-gooder thing anymore. There are companies making bank that just do good business that's not detrimental to the environment, and they don't want to be located in an old-school town. Like but, people but, that do business in Austin don't want to be located, but do, in a homophobic area with you know high air pollution and.
1: But, it, could, but could you could you could you be here and work for that same company? That's a thing that can happen now, right?
2: Well, like, yeah, I work for a company that's not here that I will not name, also for legal reasons. But I work for a company that would never move to street.
1: Right, but that's what I'm saying is, could could other people come here because it's inexpensive? There's a lot. They of, could work so,
2: remotely and work here. Yes, but then you come back to your digital divide. If they're going to work remotely. Um, to, remote work requires that you maintain a certain speed mm-hmm. and a certain um, rating as far as latency, mm-hmm. right? So not just speed and bandwidth, but also latency, the quality of connection. Quality of service is what some people would call it, right? And so if I have those types of requirements and my what I feed my household with is tied to that, can I actually live in Allendale? Can I actually live in all of Cedar Grove? I have to actually, so that's, some people call it digital redlining, mm-hmm. right? Because now that people are moving to where there's internet access at, that sustains my online business that I run, that pays for my kids' clothes and all that, you know, I'm unconsciously moving to where there's already internet access. So we talk about things like Sprawl, right? Where Where's the internet better? Is it better in South Shreveport or is it better over at Eastside Cedar Grove? So do I really, is it really that I don't want to leave, live in Eastside Cedar Grove and help build it up, or is it because I'm taking a, a additional loss because of the the neglect in infrastructure? Not from the residents of people that live there. I can talk to them. I can mentor them. I can work with them, right? I can start a neighborhood group. I can work with the CLO, and we put together a neighborhood could watch. You, could you, I can't build my own fiber. But you could. But you could. You, I mean, you, you, I... Theoretically, I could, but I as an individual.
1: No, no, but like what a, I'm saying is 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 that potentially uh, something that someone should look at is these underserved neighborhoods. Like you could you could get your you could start a neighborhood ISP. Basically, right? Like like it, yeah. can it, it, it can be done.
2: It can be done. but but politics come into it, and it's very hard to do. That is literally a fight going on all over the country right now, a silent war. People trying to put up these public ISPs, and it is. I mean, how can I put this? Um, It's like having a pride parade in like the most conservative, (laughs) you know, in the the most, um, you know, we're in Louisiana, you know what that's like, right? Um, It's very politically incorrect depending on who you're around because you're talking about people that are tied to money and you say you're gonna circumvent private industry and do your own internet. They stamp these things out all over the country. They've come out with rules and laws and regulations. The state of Louisiana passed laws in response to Lafayette internet. They did their own dang on internet. They started on it in the 90s when we were working on the Haynesville shale boom. They were getting oil and gas royalties too. They took their money, dumped it into the high speed internet project. That's what they were working on while we were building retail and hotels and Hilton and all that. They started their own ISP. They have one of the fastest speeds in the country. The state passed a law saying, "No, your city will not do its own high speed. As a matter of fact, give them some of your money, man. <laughs> give them some of your services. Uh, they actually broke them up. They did like um, it, it's something to get into. I mean, there is literally a political opposition to citizens doing their own internet. At the same time, there's a slowness or a dragging of defeat to incentivize any type of package to force companies or encourage companies to move their internet services into the communities that don't have it. So you're saying, I'm not well, going to well, make my, well, my well, own you, you
0: just saw it at, at a real level, at a committee level.
2: I just saw it at a committee level. Yeah. I just saw somebody mysteriously pull something out and not explain it, even though it's their job as city council people to explain what it is you're wanting to dump taxpayer money into. You're going to borrow money. You're going to put us in debt behind these projects with little to no explanation, and you have a citizens' bond committee where each of the council members appointed two people, and the mayor appointed two people. It's supposed to be democratic. All of us community leaders in our district going knocking on doors, calling people, asking, you know, what do you what do you guys want to see in this bond? What are you most concerned about? We can't pay for all of it. We have to chop it down some. What are the critical needs? We put together a package. Uh, before we were even done with it. There were rumors out speculating about um, their concern about some of the stuff in the bond. Before we before we even, before we even told them what we decided as a committee, they already were putting out there that they had a problem with some of the items that they were probably going to remove. Well, what's the purpose of having a citizen's bond committee if you've already decided what your package is with no— I mean, there was not one city councilman that called me, and to my knowledge, any member of the bond committee.
0: What about the forty-nine situation? What, what where is that one? The 800 million is that one still tied up, or have they made a decision?
2: I mean, the state earmarked some money to kind of blow a kiss at Congress, to to earmark the rest of the funds for the project. Okay, I forty-nine was originally built with funds from Congress. Yeah, um, there's been no mention in this current president. Are they administration. trying to still
0: run it straight through Allendale and connect it? And what's the? Yeah,
2: I mean, that's what they decided. Too. They had other alternatives. They want to do it that way. I mean, for me personally, I kind of already saw that coming with studying, you know, uh, race issues and stuff with poverty. And, you know, interstates always go through underserved communities. This is what they do. Yeah. E- even when they don't have to go through there. And so I already saw that coming in my communication with the people in Allendale where, you know, like, get ready for somebody to show up and evaluate your property and cash you out. And let's get ready for when that happens. We got a bunch of other. Vacant and empty properties over here that can be bought up, they can be taken over. Let's just come up with a plan for response because we don't, majority of people living there don't have legal power to fight this, and you don't have lobbying dollars. Poor people don't have lobbyists. Well, that's, do that's so, you see
0: the Strongtown situation that rose up in, in opposition to that particular project? I, I'm very
2: familiar with a, a lot of the members, I, I've been to some of the meetings. Uh, definitely in solidarity with that community. I have friends and family that grew up in that area. But that's uh,
0: Allendale Strong that put together a group and and, a, and yeah. opposed the, the 49 extension through there, right?
2: I mean, that, there they... was – how can I put this? It's tricky because you have some developers that developed and built some stuff over there that know they're going to cash out when they run the interstate. And so it's a bit of a – you got to be careful with this whole charity charitable organization community stuff uh, and again not trying to bash anybody but you have a lot of people that see a great narrative and even if they're not really invested in change and actually developing it sounds good and it's a good bookseller okay so and then sometimes you even have people that will send their own activists okay. it's a for, a form of controlled opposition okay some people will come in and fight for your community and they're, they're actually sent there to lose so you can just so people can feel like there was we heard everybody out and somebody stood up for the little guy you know what I mean it's a touching story so I, and I'm not putting it on any organization in particular but I have seen shadiness on both sides of the I-49 conversation okay yeah I've well, seen well, I, say, I
0: think that's I think we ought to have a whole a whole uh just episode based on an I-49 conversation with a couple of people that are more well versed in the situation than yeah, we I think are.
2: some people would take it more serious if they saw a group actually doing some of that transformative work in Allendale now. Well, let just ask- saying this is what I because I mean we could have built we could have built Allendale up thirty forty years ago if we really wanted to do that collectively as a community. Why just talk about doing it when there's an interstate discussion? Yeah, but if I build a property there and eminent domain comes, I cash out off my property.
0: Yeah you built it with fed, federal government Section 8 money or HUD money? Hey,
2: you built it with HUD money. Yeah. You know how people prey on HUD funds. That could be a whole show. I, you got people you, that do these these HUD deals, say we're going to do house development, and it's just a money grab. And They transplant people in that aren't even from the community. You can look at one or two projects that got torn down. None of those people live in the condos that were built on top of one or two projects. It's a condo, right? Well, let's talk about some positive stuff. Gotcha.
0: What, what, what? Uh, what do you like about Shreveport, and and how how can we capitalize on it? What is your one of your favorite things about Shreveport?
2: I love the self-made people from Shreveport that okay. haven't, despite all this stuff that we talked about. Yeah, uh, people like you, people like people like us in this room. I love meeting under people like y'all that have like a rose growing through the concrete, right? And we have a lot of those. We ha- there's a lot more success stories in Shreveport than there are failures and I'm glad you are pointed out we just don't talk about them we just talk about the problems Um, one of the reasons I moved to Maker Faire to Queensboro was because I didn't want to just talk about what was wrong with Queensboro look at all these smart people with degrees from Queensboro look at these guys that know robotics and know how to build stuff look at these kids from Queensboro look how smart they are look at these kids with straight A's from Queensboro right look at look at some of my mentees that came out of J.S. Clark and Booker T and came out straight A's and they got degrees from UT they're working in general dynamic. You know what I mean? Um, I like to show that off so that when I talk about problems, it doesn't just become a violin session and we're just crying about. Yeah. No, this is this is what I think is wrong, and this is what I think we do to solve it. How can the city of
0: Shreveport get behind you, and how can the city of Shreveport improve and capitalize on what you're doing and tell the world about it?
2: Um. One thing the things that, that the city of Shreveport, are you talking about the indigenous city of Shreveport or the citizens of Shreveport?
0: Whatever it takes to, to, to promote what Demetrius is doing over in Queensboro. Uh,
2: well, like what we did with the disaster recovery last year, Okay. I had citizens come out. First, it was people that were from Queensboro, uh, some of the pro black groups that I affiliated with, the uh, UNIA and Pan African groups. We got together we did our own thing when we couldn't get help from local leaders. I mean, but it turned into a very diverse, I mean, we had uh, the, the Muslim people, the uh, uh, Christians out there side by side working. Um, people that had never been in Queensborough from areas like Highland and other neighborhoods came together so it was just like a coming together and it was citizen led. Citizen led was so important because when the citizens rose up, all the elected officials came running out there. What do you need after? Yeah. We stood up. Um, that's how I roll. I would like to see um, just like how you invited me out just to voice what's going on and and the good and the bad. I would like to see us get together on our own, just like maybe some town hall talks, and not just talking, but like how we had the idea about uh, developing properties in Queensboro. I would like to see that come to life. I I would like to put you in the same room with other people that had the capacity to make that happen. I mean, if it's this year, next year, keep it Robert Trudeau. I would just like put some of this stuff in action and let's not wait for elected officials to show up. Let's not wait for any celebrities. The best way to help us is to just come out. Um, it doesn't take a big I, I would love a hundred thousand dollar check, but I mean, I'll be if you send fifty dollars to our PayPal, we're gonna do something productive with it. If 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 ten thousand people did that, yeah. right, then we wouldn't need to beg the actual entity City Street Port to do anything. We could go meet the City the Street Port and tell them what we're gonna do. And this is what you can show up with your guys and you know you guys are having trouble finding it people we've already trained you 10 of them here you go so we kind of want to be more the solution to local government as opposed to just leeching off local government begging for grants and handouts and stuff like that um and so we um the way you guys could get behind us i mean uh, donations always help um you get a letter of acknowledgement um, you can check what your donations for you can always ask us we're not worried about that we're open book. We do quarterly financial reports so you can actually see where your support goes. Uh, if you can't donate, uh, volunteer. Uh, you contact us on our website. We got volunteer hours rolling week to week. So if you want to come help us build a space, actually build it out, or if you want to come teach a class, you got some type of trade that you know how to do. Um, I, I really want to use the whole person. Um, I don't want people to feel like I just got to blindly stick money into this thing. I, I love to have volunteers just as much as donations um, and I love for people to come out and actually be a part of what we're doing uh, just come to our workshops come to our events give us your feedback um, I want this to be citizen led and citizen run uh, my charities so I don't want you to feel like it's something you have to just come and take a backseat to you know what I mean and just take a picture with us and just respect what we're doing uh, so you can you can find us online at nwlamakerspace.org
0: N- nwlamakerspace.org
2: yep and then uh, my email, um, Demetrius, D E M E T R I U S, at that same website, NWLA Makerspace.org. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Just type in the name NWLA Makerspace, it'll pop up. Twitter, Instagram, we're all over the web. Uh, so you can't miss us. And also, um, our domain for the Maker Faire that's licensed to us now is uh, com. Right, and so um, you can also go on there and find out information about the Maker's about the Maker Fair. If you just want to get a free ticket to come out, it's completely free to the community. We just have the event price going, event price going, so we can get an accurate head count. Uh, some people talk about donating food for some of the underserved citizens that'll be coming. What's the URL one more time? Uh, Shreveport. Dot Fair with an E. Dot uh, com.
0: And, and NWLA Maker Space, it only has one S in it, right? Yeah, Maker, yep, maker spa- and then Space. space. Dot org, yeah, okay, dot and dot Shreveport.MakerFair. Fair has an E in it, dot yeah. com. Yep,
2: yeah. right. exactly, and so that's our information. Uh, we also partner very heavily with the um, North Louisiana STEM Alliance, so they're also on Facebook. Um, and so um, a lot of times we have a lot of followers um, on both pages and so you'll see us share stuff synonymously so they're also a partner in the Maker Fair. we became the licensed host through our membership in the STEM Alliance and our partnership with Cyport the old Cyport and the new Cyport so they provide a lot of our um, our K through 12 services we lean on them heavily for that um, they're leading us for actually things for adults and the mommies and daddies to do um, so that that's where we're and invested the,
1: in. the maker space itself like what what do you have, what's, for somebody who doesn't know what a Makerspace is?
2: Uh, a Makerspace, um, they go by a lot of other names, like an open, open workshop or community workshop. If you remember Woodshop from school, imagine Woodshop from school souped up and you got like a computer lab and there's programmers in there and then you got a metal fab, like a metal shop when you wood shop your woodshop and then you got add some 3d printers and some cnc cnc machines in there it's like a it's like a wood shop on steroids so if, right? if
1: you're a type of if you're a do-it-yourselfer this is something that you'd be you'd yeah be if interested you're a do-it-yourselfer
2: imagine yourself like uh when you go you get a you've been to a fitness gym right 24-hour fitness gym yep. anytime fitness yep. planet fitness stuff like that and you you go there why
1: because you don't want to buy all that equipment put you in your house. You don't want
2: to buy all that equipment put in your house. You don't even know if you're going to use it that much. You just kind of want to start getting into shape. You don't know. Then you start going there. You become like a fitness nut, and you're doing yoga, and you're buying organic stuff. We want to be that for, um, for actually building things. So the same way you kind of want to get your body in shape, you might want to get your mind in shape and your hands with – Actual hands-on skills.
0: And, and can you learn how to do stuff here if you don't already know? If you're too scared of a saw or if you don't know how to use a welding machine, can you go in there and learn?
2: You could come in there with somebody that already knows how to do it that we have in our group already. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. and and we kind of take responsibility, peer-to-peer learning, right? So you can come in with you, Joe on and he can show you how to run a saw just like he's done the past 10 years at Southwood Robotics. Nice. Right? He's taught those high school kids how to use a saw, and all types of heavy equipment to build uh, the robots for first robotics. So Joe has built, helped build some of our furniture. Uh, we have a couple of very talented woodworkers who've actually built our work benches from scratch, saved us a lot of money on our work benches. So we're even DIY making the stuff inside the makerspace.
1: So maybe if there's somebody who's like, oh, you know, I, I have conceptually a design in mind I want, but I don't really want to make it myself. Could they, could they go there and Say, hey, I'm looking for a you know you a can woodworker. Hire one of my makers. I'm I'm her- I need a woodworker. I want to uh, some benches. I got some made. emails
2: and calls now from people want to hire my makers. Like, yeah. hey, can one of your makers do X, Y, Z? And that's why I'm really passionate about it because um, when I talk about our economic development path and the training, um, you know, it's not just sending somebody on a nine to five job. 1099 is how I got to where I'm at from Grambling. That was part of the piece I left out. I met a little old couple. Um, uh they used that was a part of cohab So how i met cohab was uh, through computer troubleshooters um and so Ray nagler she passed away a few years ago uh rest in peace and then her husband uh survives her and their kids um jamie nagler i mean they took me in it's like you're not gonna be our employee you're gonna be a 1099 contractor so you work for yourself you work when around your schedule mm-hmm. if you got class you got a test and that was the opposite of what I had with Domino's, right? Deliver pizza. You be here delivering this pizza or else you're done, right? And yeah. so... Um, no no I pay
1: have, unless you deliver pizza. I
2: made so much money with them. I mean, it was sick. I made so much money with them. But
0: you learned how to work on your own and invoice them and get money paid. I learned how to work
2: on my own, invoice them, check in, paperwork, compliance, um, meet with the manager, find out who's in charge. I walked into my first salary position um, coming out of Grambling, already knowing how to do that. And that put me ahead of people that had higher grades than me because everybody looked at my resume. It was like, you already been contracting? You know, most people are like in their 50s and 60s before they start consulting and stuff. And so that put me ahead of the game even now because I already have that experience doing both, working in a corporate environment, in a structured environment, and also going out on my own doing 1099 work. I encourage that in my mentees. I've showed some of them how to do it, go out and freelance, do stuff on their own, um, you know, all my interviews That's a highlight in my interviews Is that, you know, I've run a lawn service I've done IT work and contracted it um, I've been responsible for a lot of stuff Independently And I mean, I usually walk out grabbing jobs Because that's like a self-sustained employee And a job doesn't pay enough money I can walk and go make that same money anyway I like that about the Makerspace Initiative Because we go back to a place like Queensboro. I came out of there doing this So I know this model works I know other guys that came out working on cars, working on houses, doing odd jobs. I know a bunch of guys from the hood that do that type of stuff now. And the only thing separating them from people in a higher tax bracket is knowing how to do the paperwork. So I value people like you, right, that understand the contracts and understand what things we need to not get into. I've had to learn some of that the hard way. Yeah. And so that's was, the best
0: way to learn, actually.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so um, I think Space is going to empower them by um, not only showing them how I mean, basically, just skills first. If right. you have a skill, somebody will pay you to do it directly, right. or you can get a job doing it, or you can do both, or you can start a business doing it.
0: Yeah, there's um, a lot of people with skills out there who don't know how to monetize them.
2: They don't know how to monetize them. That's why I love having a relationship with cohab and having a relationship with yeah. professionals like you. Yeah, I think if I could take a lawyer and an accountant in any underserved neighborhood in Shreveport, I guarantee you I could show you change within a year or two. I have a, Put a lawyer in account.
1: I have a friend who said that that's a big a big issue that he sees and he's a Cedar Grove he's born and raised in Cedar Grove and he said a lot of the the ladies there as they get older they end up owning these houses but then they die without a will and then it gets wrapped up in some kind of, you know, weird nobody knows who owns it and it's like the he said specifically his grandmother is really she doesn't know what, you know, she gets nervous when she goes to a big building to talk to a lawyer and she thinks oh it's gonna cost all this money And it's like making you a will like you're not the CEO of a Fortune 500 company you don't have you know jet airplanes and all this other so it's a pretty easy form and somebody would be happy but like you're saying I think that that's a great community outreach thing too for lawyers like hey on Saturday we're gonna set up a table come down and talk to me about what you need do you need a will do you need a contract do you need understand just
2: yeah not not just questions. criminal law i yeah, mean yeah, that's yeah, great yeah, too yeah, yeah yeah but whenever we talk about lawyers with respect to the hood we talk about criminal law because that perception all these people are criminals no some of these people are retirees and they're just alice yes, yep. they're alice families that's what we dealt with during the storm last year now, all these people weren't like uh dope dealers and rappers you know these are like people that had been in the workforce in shreveport their whole lives retired their retirement check Doesn't match up with the cost of living now, and now they're asset limited, income constrained. uh, Technically employed because they're getting the income, but they're Alice, right? Like the United Way report. You have a lot of that in our community. People that have served in the military have know how to build a tank, and I mean, you have retired teachers and uh, engineers. I mean, people have done great things. That are they got a little bit of money coming in, but it's, it's not enough to make ends meet, and I mean, just a little bit of information and empowerment. They already know some of these skills that we're trying to teach some of the younger generation. Um, they already know the skills, and what they don't know is the game. And so I think if we could come in and actually have people in a legal capacity, not just talking to people about criminal law and expungement, all that's good, and I'm a proponent of those things. But actually, let's come in and talk to you about business law.
1: Yeah, just let's ba- talk basic, about, like, like, yeah. Per, like, here, here's some... Information.
2: How do you take over that adjudicated house? Let's talk about how that really works. What you can and can't do. Yeah. What the time frame really is. A lot mm-hmm. of people have rumors going around mm-hmm. about how you buy adjudicated house. Do you realize how many people are talking about that? Even at our neighborhood meetings. I got people calling me all the time and Queensboro, Lakeside, Cedar Grove, Moortown. Man, Demetrius, how do I buy adjudicated property? I mean, what's the process? This, what this is, is like the full circle
0: it. of the conversation because we started out with the dissemination of information and how you received information when you were a kid versus now you know what's right and what's wrong and how to get the right information. But th- there's still incorrect information circulating around your neighborhood about right. how to buy the adjudicated house down the street that's turning into a crack house or something. Right. And the good neighbors in the place want to get it fixed up. They want to get it acquired. They don't know how to do it.
2: And some people don't even have a perception that is that there's a capability of people in the neighborhood to do that. I'm just gonna be real with you. Yeah, the, I know people, and like I say, not throwing anybody on the bus saying names, but I know professionals in Streetport right now that don't even have a belief that people in those neighborhoods can buy, buy the houses, and it's all perception. Well,
0: and they don't believe in themselves and in the, in their own ability to affect the change that needs to be affected, right? Like, right. They, they the don't people, think that they have the power to get that for five grand or less. Right. And make a change to it.
2: They're, they're, they're struggling with health problems. They don't have health care. They're struggling with, uh, I mean, all kinds of depression. I mean, you know, you're, you, you've you been without the means to properly feed yourself for the past 10, 15 years. You, you know what happens when a person's starving. You get delirious. You're not thinking straight. I mean, you take an educated person um, with credentials and it, bankruptcy hits them, a divorce. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That and guy can be right there in that same situation.
1: Any of those things are, are huge life, you know, issues. And then you, you couple that with lack of education or understanding or the ability to get yeah. information.
2: I've seen people go broke from cancer. Mm-hmm. Prominent people. And and cancer treatment took them out. I mean people that make a lot of money, yeah. but they don't make that much money. Yeah. And healthcare screwed them. And these are poor people now. Yep. Right, I mean, there's a lot more of it than we think, and so it's a mixture. You have people that are not doing it because they don't know, and then you got some special situations where people know and just kind of need a hand up or assistance. Yeah. So, and, I and, think, and some
0: some of it's you know multi generational poverty too. And they they came yeah, so they came up in that and they don't know any different. Nobody's ever told them different. Now they've had kids and they you know.
2: You've had some multi generational poverty, which is a whole different. And yeah, so you got different flavors of it. And it takes professionals like us to get in and not be looking for everything we do to turn a result next week. But actually, like, this is really what we want to do. We really want to build this. You know, I'm really looking five, ten years out, right? And even if you just reach 100 households, right, how many people did each of those 100 households reach?
0: If you could send a text message to everybody in Shreveport, what would it say?
2: Um... I could send a text message to everybody in Shreveport. I would say, my favorite scripture, faith without works is a dead faith. Faith without works is a dead faith. Uh, it's a scripture he goes all into, you know, I see a man that doesn't have food, doesn't have clothes. I can pray for him and send him about his way and I hope you find some food and some clothes. Or I can take what God's already blessed me with and I can share that with him and so a he of faith. And pray. I can pray for him and share what God's already given me. Because the, the prayer isn't real until you pray with your feet, until you're willing to do what you're asking God for yourself. So we want to change Shreveport. Change starts with us as individuals. I mean, if I made it out and I know how to make it out, why can't I replicate what I've done with five or ten people from my same neighborhood?
1: Well, but even if just one. do we Do it with one. And that one can do one, but in you know everybody's gonna try for for more.
2: I got I got one friend that's been through some uh, some stuff. That's he's working at a real good company, Frymaster now, and I've known him for years and ups and downs, and I've seen him just grow so much, and even through obstacles he's been through. You know, we talk now, we have some real heart to hearts, and I'm proud of him. Right, and it's almost sometimes it's like. Man, I want to get this going like he was like, dude, you're there. You're already there, man. Think about where you were when we met. Think about where you're at now. I need to be asking you questions now, right? I mean, I I got some friends like that now that are like six-figure people, and I I remember knowing them, you know, maybe 15 years ago they were on foot. Didn't even have a car. These six-figure guys now calling shots, (laughs) right? Uh, They're hiring people. They're making key business decisions.
1: That's capitalism.
2: That's that's how capitalism is supposed to work. Right, right. And and that's how I like for it to work. I mean, being able to actually be socially mobile. But, I mean, actually knowing people that have been in a situation where you would question if they could even do anything like that, to now you need financial advice from this person. (laughs) You need legal advice from this person now. Um, I mean, I've seen it myself in real life. And I'm not just talking about one time or one instance. I know that there's a formula that works. Um, it has to start with an intent to actually get involved in the work and it can't just be a chit chat. like it can't just be a, a it can't just be an emotional conversation we have at dinner party oh yeah that was real deep we were talking about that and then we go back to doing nothing <laughs> yeah right uh, you know even if it's like maybe a couple hours out of your week some people think you have to like give up your whole life and all your fun I, I had a, a little time bank I would do at one point I got real busy with my job and my lawn service and my kid I'm going to dedicate two hours a week to my charity. And I'm going to maximize that two hours. This is going to be an action pack. Two hours, there's going to be handouts. There's going to be activities, food. We're going to go hard for two hours. Right? And then, uh, you know, two hours. And then each week it started building up. Other people started seeing what I was doing, coming and helping. And so now people were able to be there when I wasn't there. That two hours turned into, you know, me sharing like maybe 100 hours across a a larger group of people yeah. that we're helping.
0: And 50 people give two hours piece, Right. That's, that's a big difference.
2: Now I'm in a coalition of organizations, and we all have our own volunteer base. And we all just kind of throw in like a potluck. That's how we started. Uh, that's how we helped uh, Huntington start a STEM program in such a short amount of time with such rapid growth, going from like seven kids one year to 24 kids full to capacity the next year. Now it's, now it's two separate classes, right? Engineer, uh, robotics one, robotics two got engineering class separately growing right and now we're move on uh, our partner Southport just wrote a grant to help build up the PC repair class they already had they already got skin in the game we're going to get them certification books get them CompTIA certified these kids are going to walk out of Huntington with workforce credentials same thing that we're working to do for our makers uh, at Makerspace we're sponsoring and doing the teacher training and consulting to um, help the school build their own capacity to do that and it's working and now we're looking to replicate that same growth at Green Oaks, at Booker T. Washington, um, you know what I'm saying? And not just coming in with some fly-by-night idea or scheme that doesn't have any measurable outcomes. We're talking about measurable outcomes. You can come in, you can walk in and you can see it, talk to the students, talk to the teachers, talk to the principals. We're not charging the school anything to do that because we don't, we're don't. we not paying out salaries out of the money that we raised. We just have a collective, more like a, um, almost like a co-op of professionals like ourselves. We donate our own money to the organization, like a classic nonprofit. We're all professionals. I got a board member that's a patented inventor, works in the oil field now, makes big money. He buys equipment, tools, donates, uh, paid up dues for the year. I mean, y'all need some extra money. I mean, just throws money into it. Uh, Donnie Ward, uh, he's been with me since we founded it. Uh, Miss Amy Vu's professor, she's, just donate and dump money to like that's what we do. We donate to other charities anyway. We've done it for years. I do it, and so um, we we leverage our charity not as like a way of paying our friends and crap like that. You know, we use our charity to actually help people beyond what we could do as an individual by ourselves. Like me just throwing in my money by myself, I can only help so many people. But us pulling it together with other citizens, we're able to do more.
1: How do you get that? That word out to people like hey here's what we're doing like is it Facebook is it do you have a website do you have
2: yeah some of it is Facebook and the website like I say the the STEM Alliance group um, I gave y'all the the website for makerspace um, we're gonna put more of that information on the makerspace page itself mm-hmm. so we're working on some pages that we're about to make live and and add to that website and build it out so we'll have a lot of that information there but um, we've also been building that with the STEM Alliance with other organizations so we don't really believe in the zero-sum games. Um, all the knowledge that we've been acquiring, we share across other groups. Well, so that, it won't just be Makerspace doing it. That's what I'm
1: saying, is, is it, I don't know about these things and I gotcha. don't know how to find out about them and if I can find out about them and tell everybody else about them, I believe that that does some of what we
2: I'd love for uh, you to come hang we're out trying do. Yeah. yeah, if you come to, and it's on the Facebook page for STEM Alliance. We have a, a roundtable the first Thursday of every month. We've done it for uh, the past couple of years. It was going on, I think, a couple of years before that, before I joined. Dr. Heather Kleiner is the lady that uh, she's the grants manager for Cyport, mm-hmm. for the old Cyport and the new Cyport. So, I mean, she's putting a lot of that organization on her back, writing all the grants, securing all the funding, and she actually does the program and the compliance, actually does the outreach herself. Uh, she's taught robotics at Green Oaks. We, we meet with her, like, the first Thursday of every month. Um, you know, VOA is there, uh, Step 4 is there from time to time. Um, a lot of these different organizations, um, a lot of our school leaders, our teachers can come out, principals. I mean, we have educators, engineers, coders. Um, we were looking for more business leaders. We've even reached out to our faith-based community. Um, kind of what groups like Interfaith have done yep. uh, with the churches getting everybody together. So we've been doing it the past couple years as far as STEM. And so when we have conversations like this, we have somebody from each different discipline saying, so why can't we do this this month and who can do what? Right, we have an asset map, right? And then we have everybody's skills, what each group brings to the table, and we pretty much swap services. Um, So that keeps our overhead costs down with each organization. So I don't have to strain my makerspace budget as much if it's something that's mostly gonna help kids and it's, you know, we're not really a kids program yet. to support support already has capacity to do the kids stuff, so we come up with family engagement. So SOPORT's they're pulling down resources for family engagement. Okay, uh has is mastered the K through twelve the kids. We're working with the parents. We bring in uh, we brought in uh, Goodwill that we've been working to partner with. Uh, Goodwill's at our STEM Alliance meetings now. They have a Google IT certification a lot of people don't know about yet yeah. and a big huge and grant that, they just that's the down. thing
1: is there's so many of these programs that that sort of they overlap a little bit but but yeah. i think if if you could leverage the, the the somebody who like yourself is motivated to find out that information and focus yes then then, then give them a, a quick way to get there as opposed to like well i gotta call six people to find out you know or i've got a
2: Exactly, that's it. and that's what I don't like about duplication of services, right? Mm-hmm. If all of us are doing a piece of the puzzle, why not just put it into one big thing? And so what I tell people about STEM Alliance is we have one sheet of music which report. So we all have different ideas, different talents, different perspective, and that, parallel, that parallels what we talked about today with diversity and inclusion. I mean, uh, I mean, our officers that lead to STEM Alliance are all women, uh, some women of color right? It's not dudes sitting there telling everybody what to do. Like, the women are leading and like, educating me and educating other folks. Um, I mean, we're diverse in terms of race. I mean, you will see people from every ethnicity, every background, and every sector represented in the STEM alliance. So it's not just like, a group of black people or a group of white people. It's integrated. It's diverse. Um, And it reflects what we say we're trying to do in the community. Everybody has a voice at the table. Um, Nobody's up higher than anybody or anything like that and it's just us bouncing ideas off each other and making firm commitments to share resources to provide these programs that we're doing so instead of you know us just trying to do STEM workforce by ourselves first thing I did was I'm going to go meet with everybody that's already doing it and Demet- I'm going to offer my hand
0: Demetrius you're prolific man and I was going to ask you a bunch of specifics about how to bridge some racial gaps in Shreveport but I think I don't even need to because everything that we've talked about today, you're somehow or another in every project bridging uh, the racial gap that we all know exists. So we'd basically be beating a dead, a dead horse if I were to ask you what to do. You're doing it. You're, at, you're in action. Yeah. And, and your faith is obviously a, a faith with feet. Because yeah, well, you're, you're, you're walking legs. the walk. You're totally walking the walk. Yeah, so I, find me who's my next podcast guest okay. who's also walking the walk.
2: i got some people for you.
0: you gotta let them, You got to throw them under the bus right now.
2: Oh, throw them under the bus right now. Who's, who's my next podcast guest? Um, there's Miss Allison Washington with uh, The Interface. She's doing a lot of great stuff with workforce development. Um, also, Miss Bianca Frazier. That's Allison Washington? Yeah.
0: And Bianca Frazier?
2: Yeah, Bianca Frazier with uh, Bibsy. She's doing amazing stuff with workforce development. Um, actually, taking people through uh, fast track training courses and putting them on the job for places like Bentler like, uh, you know, Frymaster, different places like that. I think they have a GE uh, internship now.
0: So, So Bianca Frazier and Allison Washington.
2: Yeah, those are two great people. You're going to connect me to them? I'll connect you to them. And Heather Kleiner, um, she's kind of shy. She doesn't really like talking to a whole lot of people. She's a worker bee, but, I mean, I think uh, if you could pick her brain. Who's she with? Uh, Dr. Heather Kleiner's with Southport. All right. And she has the most beautiful heart. When you talk about diversity and inclusion, There's not one underserved neighborhood I brought her to where she so much has flinched. I mean, she's so natural and comfortable with people of any background. She does prison outreach uh, with STEM. So, I mean, we've got... She goes into the jailhouses with inmates and teaches them and their kids STEM together, right? That's awesome. Yeah, I mean... That's awesome. So, that's somebody to talk to. Well, that's
0: three. That's three. That's uh, three. Man, I really, really appreciate it. We're going to chop this up into two parts. Okay. And... um. And I'm so happy you came on today.
2: Oh, likewise, man. Thank, you, thank you for making
0: the 180 in Shreveport, man. You're doing everything that we need to do in this town. Yeah,
2: You're very thanks. welcome. Thanks for bringing me out, man. Yeah.